Hello and welcome to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Clive Glover and I am talking this week to Mike Trenchard, who is a professional genealogist who researches family histories through his company, the Trenchard Partnership. Here's what he had to say. Right now, I'd like to welcome Mike Trenchard to the programme. Hello, Mike. Welcome. Hi, Clive. And uh, Mike, now you have an interesting story to tell, I'm sure. Um, You basically are a researcher for family history for other people, but you started out obviously with your own interests many years ago. Perhaps you can tell me what sparked the interest for you. Yes, well, I I have a a fairly unusual surname. And um, in the 1970s, the name of Hugh Montague Trenchard was perhaps more famous than he is now. He's one of the founders of the Royal Air Force. And I wondered whether I was in any way related to him. So uh, I bought a book called In Search of Ancestry by a man called Gerald Hamilton Evans. Um, And that kind of fired my imagination. I think most people in those days knew that birth, marriage and death certificates could be obtained from Somerset House in central London. And so that's where I ended up doing my initial research. Hmm. You presumably spent quite a few years on this, I imagine. Did you? I mean, it's one of those sort of hobby things you can go back to all the time and suddenly something new pops up. To begin with, I did quite a lot. And then when family arrived and work commitments arrived, obviously it was more off than on. Although at one stage, my wife accused me of making her a genealogy widow. But um, (laughs) it can become compulsive. And did you find out if you're related to the founder of the RAF? I'm not, actually. No. Uh, There were two main branches of the... Uh, Trenchard family and he's on one branch and I'm on the other. Oh that's the way it can go and so um, I know a lot of people hope that they find out that they are related to royalty in some ways and I, I've spoken to a few people who have actually done that which is always interesting. I, and and in fact I am yes yes I've, obviously through uh, multiple marriages uh, I, end, I end up with um, Edward II. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. That's interesting stuff, isn't it? So, um, I mean, have you, and how did you sort of, um, one of the things I'm interested in is how you people um, sort of compile the information and then what you do with it. I mean, do you draw up a big family tree, which you hang on the wall, or do you have a sort of photo albums or uh, what, what, what have you done to sort of compile your results? Uh, several things. Uh, I have a number of uh, A3 books, which I've stored documents on. Um, but there's also a lot held digitally on my computer, which is backed up, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually my research led me to the College of Arms. And I found that my family were recorded there down to 1750. Um, and I showed them the, you know, my research which showed that, you know, I was descended from the same family. And so they encouraged me to continue the registration. So uh, the 
my family is now registered in the College of Arms down to my two children. Right, and so you've got your own coat of arms for your family? There is a coat of arms, but unfortunately, I'm related to the family through an illegitimate child. <sighs> yes. And therefore, uh, I'm not authorised to use it. <laughs> oh dear, that's a bit sad. Mm. Um, right, and so um, are your children interested in this, or have you got them interested in it? Yes, they are. Obviously, not as much as me, but um, they, they are interested, yes. Because one of the things that sort of sparked this whole series of programmes was the thought that um, young people probably are t not terribly excited by the idea of tracing their family history. But they're in a position at that sort of young age as a teenager or perhaps a young adult where they can go around and talk to some of their elderly relatives and find out all sorts of things about them. Um, whereas later on in life, maybe when they're in their 40s and they've got their own children, they want to start researching. And those people are no longer around to, to get the information yeah, from. It's, it's essential, essential to talk to elderly relatives. Yeah, well, that's exactly um, the sort of message we're trying to put across. That, that saves an enormous amount of difficulty uh, because not everything is recorded in official documents. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, obviously, we've also talked about the various sort of sources of information and um, the obviously the official documents are one part of it. And in this country, we've got a long history and not so many sort of civil wars and things. So therefore, things do exist for going back centuries. Um, and for example, church records. I mean, some churches around here have got, um, you know, sort of hundreds of years of history and uh, even thousands in some cases, of course. <laughs> and um, so they've got records going back a very, very long way, which is a very exciting, I'm sure, to be able to go through those. Um, the, the other aspect which has come up in sort of recent years, I suppose the last 20 years, it really is, is DNA. Have you um, thought about getting involved in, you know, doing DNA tests, perhaps to trace some of your history? Um, my, my sister has done uh, a DNA test. I mean, there are there are various ones. I mean, the, the most common one is called ultrasomal, which is a combination of um, male and female uh, DNA. Um, it's the one that um, most of the subscription sites use. But also there are um, Y-DNA and mitochondrial DNA, which really look either the male and female sides. It's um, a complex subject in its own, and there are um, genetic genealogists who concentrate on that, um, which I don't um, have any particular experience of. Um, but it is a tool, and it can overcome um, brick walls. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about now. So in your business, you obviously, um, you're, you're out there um, as a genealogist, and you're registered. I, I don't quite know what that means, but presumably you've done some I'm, sort of exams. I'm, I'm a member of um, the professional body called AGRA. That's the Association of Genealogists and Researchers in Archives. And last year I was made a fellow of it. So. Right. So on the basis of that, then somebody will come to you and say, I'm really interested in finding out about my family history. And presumably they will have some documents or photos or something to be able to pass on to you as a starting point. But um, how is it? How do you sort of begin that? Because I, I imagine that it's quite a daunting task, isn't it? Somebody out of the blue with a name you've never heard of, and then you've got to try and find out their information, as long as they're not called Smith, presumably. <laughs> Well, the, the, fir the first thing is to find out exactly what people want to find out. Um, sometimes they want to 
their family tree produced as you know as far back as is, is reasonable um, but they may have some specific things like um, you know military records from the first or second world wars for instance um, yes. or they, they they might have ancestors um, who were uh, part of the East India Company um, in India yeah so the first thing is to find out what they want and then to uh, obtain from them the kind of documents you've mentioned because that a that saves time and also some expense um, there's no point in duplicating effort right and also I think the other thing I found is that in most families there are sort of rumors and myths that you know oh so and so was related to this person or you know so and so did this particular thing or this bad thing sometimes or good thing um and you know or they were injured in the trenches or that sort of story and it's interesting to find out whether those things are real or true or somehow sort of as i say a myth yeah, yeah so sometimes they're very true and sometimes they're fantasy <laughs> yes um quite often if someone comes up with a you know, a fairly famous surname and they um, they think they're related to that individual. Um, and most times I unfortunately disprove it. Yes, well, of course. I mean, obviously these, these stories do go around in families and so on. Um, I think in our family we found one or two things which were actually quite true, but they weren't spectacular like being related to royalty or anything like that. Yeah. But but even the most ordinary family often has stories that you can glean from documents, which are interesting. You know, that there's a lot about social history, um, particularly from 19th century records. As I say, when, when you people have come to you, and, and do you find that you can help them and find the sort of things to their satisfaction? Obviously, that's what you want to try and do. But do you sometimes hit a brick wall or, or blanks and just cannot go any further or cannot find the family, perhaps because it's a very common name, for example? Both are possible. Um, the main brick wall, which is fairly insurmountable, is a name change. If someone, for whatever reason, decides they're going to change their surname, um, that makes it very difficult to trace. Also, for instance, um, in fact, uh, some work I'm doing at the moment, uh, you look at someone's birth certificate and the box for naming the father is struck through. So it doesn't name the father at all. Um, and that that is um, very, very difficult. Um, I was able to, I was able to, to trace the mother, even though she used her maiden name um, rather than her married name. So, hmm. Yeah, I get that. And, and also, obviously, in the past, things like adoptions or um, illegitimate children and so on were um, basically covered up. So sometimes you might hit that and find it's quite difficult to, to get well, any further. Well, ad ad adoption wasn't formalised until 1927. Goodness. So before that, um, informal adoption happened. Often another member of the family would take a child or a doctor or a clergyman um, uh, or a lawyer would, would, would find somewhere for the child to go. And I found in, in my family that um, several people ended up in workhouses, which at least, at least meant there was a record of it. But obviously it's very sad when you realise what that means. 
Yes, um, uh, particularly for children, of course. But um, as far as adults were concerned, they decided they wanted to go into workhouse mainly because they were destitute. Mm. Um, the traditional workhouses, which came from the Act of Parliament in 1834, built um, union uh, workhouses, which were collections of parishes. And in fact, if you go to um, Nottinghamshire today, there's a National Trust property, which was an, uh, an original workhouse. And it showed it was built to separate both sexes. So the men were in one side, the women in another, and they didn't meet. And the children were also separated as well. Yes. So not very nice. Definitely not very nice. Anyway, thank you, Mike. So let, let's just um, see now, now your particular business. You'd like to just mention, I think you've got a website you've told me. I do. I run the business with my wife, actually. So it's called the Trenchard Partnership. And the website is www.trenchardpartnership, all one word, .co.uk. Right. So if someone wants to um, basically get their family tree found out by an expert, they can go via your website and, and contact you on that basis. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be happy to help anybody. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much, Mike. It's very interesting. And um, I, I'm interested that this sort of hobby is also a business for some people because obviously there's lots of people out there who get interested and don't really know where to start looking for their in family history did, and so on. I, I did wonder when I first started whether um, I would find it um, equally interesting to research other people's families. And I do. Yes. It's really fascinating. It's a bit like being interested in murder mysteries and detective stories, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle, actually. Mm. Right, okay. That's a good, a good comparison. Thank you very much, and um, thank you for talking to me. It's very, very interesting. You're very welcome. Right, well, that was interesting. That was Mike Trenchard there, who, as you heard, he basically will do some research for you if you don't know how to do it yourself, or you don't really know what sort of databases to look in and so on. What do you think about that idea, Anna? I found that really, really interesting. And I think Mike has given us a lot of ideas and kind of tips on how to go about finding um, your family history. The things I mainly picked up on um, that there are actually, I didn't really realise, but I think there are, I do need to do a bit more research into this, but there are books out there that you can buy to help you um, on your kind of family history journey. I think um, I don't know if you know of any books, Clive, but I remember Mike did mention that briefly. Yes, I think there's quite a lot. And obviously, you, you also probably can actually borrow them from the library. You don't necessarily need to buy them all. So exactly. it's worth probably asking the library about that. One big takeaway I did also get was that um, I think it's important not to set expectations too high when you're starting out on your journey. I just think... You don't know what you're going to uncover. It could be something amazing. It could, every, the thing is, everyone is interesting. That's a principle. Like everyone's story is interesting, no matter what information you find out. But I just think try not to set your expectations too high because you don't want to be really disappointed, if you know what I mean. I, but apart from that, um, there are a lot of other things that you can do with on your journey. Like one thing you could think about, um, which I think you and Mike touched upon in the interview, was that, um, the question kind of was how will you how um, will you store the information there's many ways that you can do it I think Mike suggested the A3 books or also digitally on a computer but you have to make sure that's backed up um, 
But I think that's a really big question to ask yourself and maybe to have in mind as you're collating all of the information. Yeah, I think um, I'm quite attracted by the idea, you know, you can make these sort of photo books these days. Mm. And um, so you get a really nice digitally printed book. And if you can sort of do that with some photos and obviously some of the information about the people in the photos on that particular page and so on, I reckon you could do a a really swish sort of um, book, which presumably if it's being printed as a book, you can print, you know, a dozen copies and give them out to your family, that sort of thing. Exactly. That's actually a really good benefit, isn't it? You you can... Yeah, have multiple copies and then because it's nice for everyone to have a record of it. I think so. I think also the the other thing is, as you said, not to have too high expectations, but it is actually rather good in this country that we have records going back for several hundred years. Yeah. So it's quite, it's quite easy or relatively easy to go back quite a long way in some cases. But in other cases, of course, you particularly if you hit a family with a particularly common name, it then gets very complicated because you find that obviously there's lots of people with that name and you don't know if you're necessarily following the right trail. Um, yeah, you could and, get led down the garden path a bit. I know in my family, my sister keeps banging her head on the wall because there's so many Thomases. And mm. there's Thomas, <laughs> and then his son is Thomas, and then his son is Thomas as well. And there's other Thomases around. And you don't quite know if you're following the right one. I know. You could get easily kind of led astray. <laughs> um, also, one thing I picked up on was, which relates to what you were saying, um, is how church records do go back a long way. So it is a good place to go to um, if the church is happy for you to access their records. That is a really good place to um, find out some information. And also another thing is that I've definitely learned um, is talking to elderly relatives as not everything is always recorded in official documents. So you might speak to your relatives and find out information that you never would have found out any other way. So I really think that's a and it's just a nice way to connect with them. And I'm definitely thinking about this with my own relatives um going forward so now i think obviously if you sort of sit down with your granny and have a long chat and take some notes that's one thing but mm. i wonder what do you think in i mean not particularly your relatives but you know the idea of perhaps recording it on a some sort of tape machine well not, not a tape recorder we don't have those anymore but a digital <laughs> recorder um basically mm. just to record it so not only have you got what they say but you've also got their voice saying it which i think is quite interesting idea and obviously at some time in future you may really relish the fact you've got them talking in that way because you can't talk to them anymore for instance so I think that's quite a nice way of doing it and uh, we did of course speak on another program to someone who does that and of four families and gives them a a memory stick with all of the recordings on it Mm. I really think that's a good thing to do because it's really nice I imagine to have someone's voice to listen back to like very much so because that's maybe something that might fade over time in your memory so I think definitely um, if you can try and do that but obviously make sure everyone's comfortable with it yeah well that's that's the thing it's a question of perhaps some you don't sort of go in and say right now we're going to record this you sort of basically Mm. have a chat to them and then do it perhaps on two or three occasions and pick up different bits and I suppose yeah. you have to go, go away and cross-reference what they've said with some other people because obviously people have different memories of things, which is quite interesting. I've come across that a few times where people say, oh, do you remember so-and-so? And I said, no, I thought <laughs> it was this way, you know. Um, mm. It's that sort of story. Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. So it's quite good. So um, obviously the, the other thing in terms of this is when you um, 
do hire someone like Mike to do this. There is a, obviously a cost issue, which I think some people may have to sort of consider seriously. Um, mm. But a lot of it is quite straightforward. And, you know, it's questions of printing off this bit of paper and so on in a library and they charge you 20p or something for each sheet. Um, and some of the databases are obviously are things you have to pay for, particularly the ones like the census and the the new census. Well, the new one has just been released from 1921. It's got people excited. Um, <laughs> and I, I actually went to my local library to ask if I can access that. And I had a silly idea. I thought I could just walk into the library and say, can I do it? on the computer i found out that actually i have to book the computer nearly a week ahead before i can even go and look at it but um well it's basically because there's lots of people i mean when i went in there mm. i was quite surprised to see there's three computers and there was three people using them and they'd all booked yeah. it, you know some, some days in advance yeah i hadn't quite appreciated that well yes exactly so um that's something to, a little tip if you want to do that you have to go and book in advance and um you know mm. which is good because it just shows how much usage the uh, Hertfordshire libraries get i i hadn't really uh, i suppose i don't really go there very often and so it was um quite interesting to see how many people were there yeah definitely definitely uh, yeah about dna we, we did touch on that with uh, mike in fact and he he said he's not really an expert in it and of course there is a lot of expertise in some of the detail about this but some of the simple sort of conclusions you can get from dna is obviously tracing people who are relatives of yours in some way and you may not know about um yeah and my experience is you get a weekly email at least with people saying you know oh just found six new relatives but they're relative in the sense they've only got a sort of very small amount of DNA compatible with yours. So mm. they might be related, but only in a very distant way, because after all, you and I are related, obviously, and everybody in the world is related effectively from yeah. uh, the same people. With the DNA, although it might be a bit pricier, I do think that it is a good way because it's quite, a, I, I imagine it's quite a quick process, is it? I'm, I don't know actually too much about it. Maybe it's something to explore more, but it's more kind of, it's less time consuming, maybe. Well, you do your little sample, you know, your saliva, put it in a thingy and post it off to them. And they're, they're all American companies, so you have to post it off to the States. Um, but I think I'd go, I got mine back in a couple of weeks. It wasn't particularly long. Um, yeah. And they they basically, the results, they don't send anything back to you. It's all suddenly on the, on the website. You obviously have an account on the website. And when it's there, yeah. they send you an email saying, oh, you can go and look now. You can go and look through all sorts of stuff, including some very detailed stuff, which I frankly haven't got my head around at all, because obviously it's given you um, hundreds of little details about individual genes and so on and i don't mm. think anyone knows too much about all of these but some of them you know <laughs> there are some identified which you can see that you are um they're either switched on or off basically well and so that, that might indicate that you are more likely to have blue eyes or red hair or be taller than x feet high and whatever it's, yeah. it's this sort of thing it's statistical stuff they do because they've got thousands of people who um, have had their dna tested and what their computers are doing is basically um, comparing people and then matching them up and they find that lots of people who live in a particular area all have a certain bunch of genes which are the same which are therefore something to do with the fact that they were born and brought up in that particular area yeah it's, we I mean, it's, it's quite amazing really but it's as you say we are all related to each other in some way so you kind of have to work out what how kind of far in within your circle you want to kind of delve deeper into well ultimately if you think about it everybody must be related to one man and one woman somewhere along the line and yeah. the genealogists unsurprisingly call them adam and eve 
<laughs> yeah. Um, also, just on a bit of a different note, I do think that um, we kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but be a bit cautious in some ways because, I don't know, sometimes you can find some surprises. Um, and I think Mike did mention something like that. But, oh yeah, I just think sometimes you've got to be a little bit careful because you don't know what you have to go in open-minded and be a bit prepared for anything you're going to find out. Well, yeah, I mean, this is where I think we've said before that, you know, talking to some elderly relatives, they might you might find that they talk ha- quite happily about their father and their mother and auntie old so-and-so. But then when you suddenly say, what about Uncle Thingmajig, you know, and they, they say, oh, don't want to talk about him, you know, he's sort of mm. black sheep of the family or whatever. And then that obviously makes you 10 times more interested in that particular person to find out about him. Um, and you never really know what someone has experienced. Like there's a, sometimes there can be a lot of sensitivity in place um, about certain things well indeed and i mean obviously the these are things where people have done something which the family regards as being outrageous and obviously mm. that includes children born out of wedlock for example and obviously example, other people yeah. who are people who've left their wife or husband for various reasons and that's all regarded as obviously very um bad in the past i mean obviously it's regarded quite badly these days but um it's a sort of different level i think now we accept that these things do happen and in those days they were they were sort of much more um socially unwelcome sometimes as well between generations like they, as you say there are different viewpoints and sometimes things are more accepted um in modern in the modern era where compared to maybe in previous years but um yeah i think it's just I think just using common sense, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, these days it's not exactly unusual for people to live together without being married, for example. Um, and, the, mm. and the impact of that is, of course, there's no there's no sort of marriage certificate. So if, if that was happening in the past, you won't find the details of getting married. But it didn't happen because they basically all did go to get married in a church, which is why you've got the church records. Yeah, exactly. It's I've learned that it's quite interesting how um, everything is a lot more documented than you'd ever think. And records are kept for longer than you may think. Because I know there's a lot about data these days, but there's a, still a lot of, there's a record of most things that everyone does. I remember we spoke, yeah, that's on a different subject, but it's just quite interesting to think about that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, obviously with the, the two wars during the 20th century, the world wars particularly, um, there's lots of documentation about who was signed up in the army or the navy or the air force and that their war records are all kept and the Imperial War Museum has actually millions of them. And so you can literally um, see where they, which ship they were on or which sort of battle they might have been involved in. And there's actually quite long written records records of, of the particular battles and all that sort of stuff which is a bit gory to look into but if you know that one of your relatives was definitely in that trench or on that ship then you you can look it up and find out information about them from that yeah, exactly you can really focus your research down and i think the other one that i was quite surprised about was after the um after second world war particularly a lot of people did actually emigrate to um, other places particularly to the usa to canada to australia new zealand and so on from this country and so they went on ships because they didn't really have well they had airplanes but they didn't have sort of big airplanes to travel on it was very expensive so they all went on ships and those ships all had lists of every passenger and those things are still available you can find them so you can actually track down exactly which ship they went on and you know you know exactly what day they left the country when they arrived in australia or whatever and um, 
in Australia, you can find the records then of people being let into the country. And so you can follow it all up and know exactly that on this particular day, they went to their new house in Australia or something. Yeah, exactly. You can find out such detail, which is actually quite, um, quite, uh, I can't think of the word, but quite kind of awe-inspiring, quite amazing. I think so. Anyway, it's all the exciting things you can do. So it's really, really interesting stuff. And I think that uh, it's very interesting talking to people who are actually sort of doing this stuff. Thank you for listening to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM with me, Clive Glover, and with Anna Lofts. If you haven't heard our previous shows, they are available as podcasts from www.radioverulam.com and this episode will be added shortly. You can follow us or contact us on Twitter and Instagram at rvfamilyhistory, that's all one word. Do join us again next time for the Family History Show.